Okay. Welcome to Ghostman Radio Station. And yet again, we are Ian Squibbs, a man who's famous for whatever he's famous for. Famous for his own life. Welcome to CFZ. That's right, CFZ lately, isn't it? But I do, I do do the, uh, I do do the, um, the lecture circuit. So I'm on here today, so that's good. And what are we going to be talking about today, young Ian? Well, first of all, happy Christmas, or should we say, winter holiday? And it's good to be right. back for another mystery, following on from our coverage of the lock. Marama some time ago. <clears throat> so today we're gonna look at another Scottish monster which haunts the mountainous terrain years, has terrified mountaineers and explorers alike. So without further ado, that's the wee dram of whiskey. Lend us a pound for me spodden. And let's pay a visit. To the big grime of Ben McDewey. So, what is this thing which haunts the cold grey mists of McDewey's frowning cliffs? Is it some great phantom of ageless giant which none can face? What is it that sounds above the echo of human footsteps? To make the pause and listen. Yet fear to look back. Is it the ghost of our inner set free on some wild flight of fantasy? No one knows in the bosom of the hills. Right, okay. That was a poem called which was written by Mr. Dunthy after a lone climb on the Scottish mountain Ben McDewey. It was an experience, and for some odd reason, he felt compelled to look back more frequently than he had ever done before. He had a son, and the echo of his footsteps sounded sometimes uncanny. But in this case, Nothing seen or heard. So, <clears throat> Ben McDewey is located in the Kengorn National Park in Scotland. It is the second highest mountain in the British Isles. The summit is 1,300 metres above sea level. And the mountain sits on the edge of the Kengorn Plateau laying on the boundary between the historic counties of Aberdeenshire and Banffshire. For centuries, the mountain has drawn mountaineers and adventurers to its slopes, and its remote location and murky Scottish environment make the location a perfect setting for myths and the unknown. And we're not disappointed, as over the years, reports have come from the region of a mysterious creature that has become known as the Big Grey Man of Ben McDewey. In Gaelic, the entity is known as Amphir Lethmore. The Big Grey Man has haunted Ben McDewey since ancient 
time. But it wasn't until the early 20th century that reports of encounters with the creature began to surface. Various witness experiences have amalgamated into a popular image of a huge ape-like mystique figure that roams the slopes of Ben McDewey and the malign power to send climbers into a blind panic. The Big Grey Man first came to general public attention when the respected mountaineer Professor Norman Colley addressed the annual general meeting of the Ken Gorm 1925. His experience dated from 1891 when he was hiking alone around the summit of Ben. He relayed the following tale. I was returning from a Khan on the summit and I began to think I heard something else other than my own footsteps. For every few steps I took, I heard a crunch. As if someone was walking after me, but taking footsteps three or four times the length of my own. I said to myself, this is all nonsense. I listened, and I heard it again, but could not see nothing in the mist. As I walked on, and the eerie crunch, crunch sounded behind me, I was seized with terror, and took to my heels, staggering blindly among the four or five miles, uh, nearly down to Rothrumus Forest. Whatever you make of it, I do not know but there is something very queer at the top of Ben McDewey, and I will not go there alone again by myself, I know. So there, <clears throat> this is the first recorded in Cayman and caused something of a sensation at the time, creating a lot of interest in the mountain and its possible otherworld Denzian. His reputation and respectability, other climbers came forward to relate their tales. Fear of ridicule prevented them from saying Una, but Collie's admission le legitimized what they'd experienced. So there we are. So there's a bit of the mystery. So what we'll do now is go over to Mark, who's going to tell us some of these strange tales of the big grey man in Macdui. What about you, Mark? Thank you, Ian. So let's review these mysteries, mysteries encounters and see what we think were the so-called big grey man. The turn of the 20th century, a clear June evening, experienced climber Alexandra Kalis, his brother Henry, were close to the summit of Ben Macdui. And Alistair observed a figure climb up out of Lang Guru Pass, wander around the canes, and disappear again into the pass. Described a figure as being some height as ten foot cane. His brother said he did not see the figure. In 1904, Bodnes Hugh Welsh, his brother, set up by a camp near the summit of Ben McDewey to collect plants and study the acronyms are found there. From time to time, they would hear what sounded like footsteps impacting softly around them whenever they moved, although not matching their own footfalls. They described the slurring footsteps as if they were walking through serrated gravel. 
We noted that these cooey sounds were more distinct during the daylight hours. The brothers were very conscious of something near them, though they never saw anything. In September 1914, lawyer George Duncan had been climbing the Kangaroos with a fellow member of the Scottish Mountaineering Club. As he headed down to the Derry Road in a dog cart, Mr. Duncan was in the back seat facing the mountains. We looked up the hillside and saw a tall figure, a black robe about a quarter of a mile away, described the sight as the devil himself waving his arms. In the early 1920s, former president of Moray Mountaineering Club, Tom Crowley, heard footsteps describing Bad Anarak, his peak to the west of Ben McDewey, first left Guru Pass. He paused and turned his head and cast a glance at his shoulder as alarmed as he a tall figure, grey, undefined, with pointed ears, long legs and finger-like talons, and his feet approaching him from behind. Granny ran for his life down the mountain in terror. The author of the book, The Big Grey Man of Ben McDewey, Richard Ferry, outlined the tale had been related to him by a friend. His man established his camp, the very top of the mountain, some time in 1940. The darkness fell, and the man retreated into his tent to settle down for the evening. A little while later, he woke suddenly and noticed movement outside his tent opening. Something strange was close by. As he peered out of his tent into the night, there loomed large, broad-shouldered and brownish humanoid creature. And must have been twenty feet in height. It seemed to swagger as it moved around the camp, emitting an air of insolvent strength before it eventually moved off by itself. Another climber, legendary William Sidney Scurry, saw a similar humanoid figure emerge from darkness in 1942 before disappearing. 1945, Peter Densham, infused the and an experienced mountaineer, was in charge of the airplane rescue team at Cairngorms, a time when he had two remarkable candles, big grey man. On one morning at the end of May 1945, Densham set off alone from Avonmill and climbed to summit Ben McDewey when he arrived at about midnight, midday. As he occurred a day up until this point, the mist suddenly closed. Densham decided to have his packed lunch and sit out, hoping that the mist would soon clear. Densham then relayed the following tale. I was eating a piece of chocolate. I had an impression there was someone near me, a impression which sometimes experienced by mountaineers. did not pay much attention to the impression, knowing it was fully, fairly common. After a short while, I had an impression of something cold on the top of my neck. At the hood of my anorak down, I thought the feeling cold was due to the air becoming more moist. I still seemed to feel pressure on my neck. I then stood up, was conscious of crushing noise from the direction that came on my left. I went to investigate the noise. I was within a few feet of the apparent source. When suddenly I was overcome by a feeling of apprehension, of overpowering wish to get off the mountains. Mountain. I found myself running at a critical place. I was running in the direction of Lurch's Craig. I tried to stop myself, 
I found it's, it's extremely difficult to do. It wasn't. It, it was as if somebody was pushing me. I managed to deflect my course with great difficulty, ran down the ridge all the way to Air at at Moor Bridge, all the way past Glen Moor. I was right on the other side of the lock before I stopped running. On another occasion during the war, Denshaw was on a mountain rescue duty, Cairngorms with his friend Richard Ferry, was searching for an airplane which reported a crash of Ben Barrack. Two men descended to let Lugur pass, then onto Ben McDuey Plateau. They ride on Ben McDuey McDuey's summit at 4 p.m. So, a short distance apart as they gaze at a near and distant range of mountains, Denzel relayed the following tale. A surprise of the sort, while to hear very apparently talking to himself. Then I got the impression that he wasn't, he was talking to someone the other side of the cane. I went round and found myself joining in the conversation. The strange experience that seemed to have a psychic aspect. He talked to someone invisible for some time. It seemed we had carried on this conversation for a short time when we suddenly realized there was no one there but ourselves. Others, neither one of us, strangely, would call the purpose of this extraordinary conversation. Peter Denson was convinced that both of these experiences were fundamentally psychic. Frequently on the mountains after these events, but never experienced any of mysterious happenings. He was always held. Ben McDuey was a terrifying place to be, to be one self in the middle of the winter. It's the most mysterious mountain he ever been on. The next strange appearance of the mountain was by Alistair Tenonini, a naturalist, a mountaineer, and a tale appeared in the Scots magazine in June 1958. Took place in 1943. He's climbing McDuey. Armed and loaded with a Volvo, he searched again for his lunch, suddenly overcome by a feeling of horror. Here is account of the strange event that unfolded, was not the duly imaginative. When my thought flew in instantly, a well-known story to Professor Colleen, a man, a big grey man. And I felt the showing weight of the loaded revolver in my jacket, in my pocket. Grasping the butt, appeared about in the mist. A strange shape loomed up, receded, came charging at me. At hesitation, I whipped out the revolver, fired three times at the figure. It still came on, I turned and headed down the path, reaching Glenderry to, in a time that I've never bettered. You may ask, was it really the bent grey man? Frankly, I think it was. Many times since I've traversed Glenderry in a mist, Bellowacked out the open, camped it on its summit for days on end and no, no diff- on different occasions, often alone, always with an easy mind. From that day, I'm convinced I shot the, uh, the only fear, loth, morally big grey man my imagination will never ever see. Fortunately for Alex and the figure that he filled with lead was intangible and not a lost tourist. His count does not does not show that by 1958, Big Grey Man or Fear Luff, the Gaelic, would come part of popular culture in the, mount- the mountain. The early 40s, eccentric Scottish naturalist, Wendy Wood, was hiking upon the, the well-known hill 
past a langori when she heard a strange voice speaking that sounded like Gaelic. Despite its brief search, Wood found no source of the voice. Her count was not quite over. As she made her way back, she could hear footsteps and they seemed to be following her. At first, she thought it sounds to simply be echoes of her own, but it rapidly came apparent they did not match the rhythm of her own footsteps. And frightened, she promptly fled. A more contemporary encounter happened in 2004. Tom Robinson, a Scottish ghost investigator, visited Ben McCoy that year. He said that he and his companion, Derek Blake, heard footsteps and strange noises. As I saw the outline of dark shape against the moonlight, it seemed about to be ten foot tall. A large arm and allegedly reached out their tent, which then collapsed on Blake's side. The fly sheet of the tent was torn off. Robinson saw that looked like a huge grey gorilla. Attack then stopped. The huge creature vanished, however, fearing the creature would return. Robinson Blake decided to abandon the tent and leave the place as soon as possible. On the way back, they took photographs of very large footprints in the gravel. So there we have a selection of counters, big grey man and Ben Midori, for us to view and analyse. What we're going to do now is go back to over to Ian, going to put forward some theories of possible explanations. Yeah, thank you, Mark. Yeah, so as we can see, we have uh, quite a plethora of uh, mysterious happenings from the slopes of Ben McDewey. So, what is Big Grey Man of Ben McDewey? It's a good question. Let's start with the first reported case, Professor Colley's encounter. And uh, let's have a look at the man himself. Uh, Christine Mill described him as a lifelong occult believer. He often told tales of gods and legends around the campfire. Was it a case that Collie's Grey Man encounter was simply another of these fantastical stories? Spectics have also claimed that Collie admitted making up the story having not been given notice uh, that he was expected at the climbing club dinner and he made the whole thing up on the spot. It is also interesting to note that Brendan McNeish, the, the respected outdoor author and walker, noted that Norman Collie was well a well-known practical joker. Certainly have uh, been amused by all the publicity that had been generated by the story. These claims suggest that Collie may have fabricated his story as some kind of sick joke. The world of Fortean phenomena is littered with pranksters and will continue to be. But all evidence has to be reviewed before it is discounted. Collie may well have made up the whole thing, but that doesn't explain why the numerous other strange encounters occurred on the slopes of Ben McDewey. There have been many explanations for the grey man phenomena, but looking at the experiences as a whole, actually very few sightings of 
a grey man. Most accounts are associated with the with a feeling rather than actual physical sightings. A popular theory is that it is a wild man or yeti type creature that inhabits the area. Bigfoot creatures have been reported from all over the UK, and the remote wilderness of the Kengorms would be an ideal place for such a beast to hide. The few sightings that there have been of the grey man tend to offer, uh, tend to differ from each other. A humus like feet, a great brown creature 20 feet tall, a dark human shaped creature, and so on. This would probably suggest that we're not in with the common ape man type Bigfoot that we're all familiar with, and uh, a supernatural entity is more likely. Let's move on to a natural phenomenon which may explain some of the sightings of the big grey man. It's a trick of the light, which is referred to as the Brocken Spectre, named after the German mountains where the effect was first discovered. The effect is produced when the sun hits the mist and magnifies a person's elongated shadow onto clouds, uh, mist, or and fog. <clears throat> this gives the impression of a giant person emerging from the mist below. In 1831, Sir Thomas Dick Loder described such an effect in the Edinburgh New Philosophy. It reads as follows. On descending from the top of Ben McDewey at about half past 3pm, an interesting optical appearance presented itself to our view. We had turned towards the east, and the sun shone on our backs when we saw a very bright bow descri described on the mist before us. The bow of, of beautifully uh, distinct prismalas formed about two-thirds of a circle, the extremities of which appeared to rest on the lower portion of the mountain. In this, this incomplete circle, there was described a luminous disk surrounded by prismatic colours displayed in rings. On the disk itself, each of the party, three in number, as they stood about 50 yards apart, most distinctly. The representation appeared to be of natural size and the outline of the whole person was most correct portrayed. So, that account shows that the Brocken effect, where shadows are reflected onto mist banks, given appearance of huge figures, has occurred on Ben McDewey. The Brocken Spectre, was certainly the cause of one of the oldest recorded counters on Ben McDewey, which appeared in 1791. Poet James Hogg saw a giant figure, he's 30 feet high and equally proportioned uh, and very near to him. He was actually struck powerless uh, with a stop and terror. Hogg fled the mountain, but was forced to return the next day to collect the sheep that he had been tending there. And when he did, the monster had ridden. He noticed that the huge beast was mirroring his own movements. He removed his hat, 
observed the figure doing the same. Hogg concluded that what he was simply seeing was his own shadow in the fog. So, so an interesting theory there regarding the so-called Brocken Spectre. But what can explain the mysterious sound of footsteps reported? A theory was put forward some years ago and um, appeared in the popular trend. It suggested that the sound could be caused by a freezing action upon footprints recently created in the snow. Would first have to presume that uh, the encounter in 1891 and other witness testimonies of footsteps took place at the appropriate in the conditions for the freezing effect to happen. Although also things as simple as water sloshing about in a mountaineer's wall have also been suggested as an explanation. The most common factor that link the experiences on the mountain, the feeling of blind panic. Some researchers have named such experiences as mountain panic, which is basically blind panic in wild places. The feeling of a powerful presence or just an overwhelming sense of fear about nature or something that, behind, that lies nature. When this occurs, all the rationality in the world cannot uh, stir in the depth of feeling involved. In classical times, these experiences were identified with the nature god Pan, who lends his name to the word itself. So, pan ick. Whether these experiences are a combination of location, solitude, and unfamiliar, or an actual physical effect is unclear. In folklore, there is a whole densian of nasties wandering the world. Old explanations for the feeling that people felt and experienced in wild areas, from the hide hideous Nakalivi the each usage to the headless trunk of the McDonald's. Folklore is a virtual who's who of things meet down a dark alley. Ben McDewey is a marvellous mountain in a stundigious wild area. Whether haunted or not, the mountain will hopefully remain an unspoiled wild part of Scott into the future. So does a mysterious man-beast haunt the slopes of the UK's second inn? Or are hikers merely afraid of their own shadows? We know the mind can play tricks, but we also know that there are unknown creatures in the world that are yet to be discovered. Whatever the truth, we must keep an open mind and not rule out the existence of beasts such as the big grey man of Ben McDewey. It'd be nice to think that it, it, it's Thank possible, wouldn't it? It would, and I'm sure that it is possible in some places. Whether it is in Ben McDewey, we don't know. Well, but I there like will it, be places I like when you there. said that when you have this effect, that your mind plays tricks. It's a bit mm. like when you're walking down at night and there's a tree behind you. It looks like a yes. hand. 
in the right shadows in the wind, and your mind believes it's hands. So you start walking faster. So that, that's the same phenomenon, then, really. That is, yes, when you're alone in an unknown um, and, and at night, usually, yes, the mind can play tricks. And no doubt if you're hiking alone in the mid, especially at high altitude, the ear is thin, which affects the brain. Yeah, of course, you can hallucinate. So I'm sure these things have happened. But um, yes, but well, it's nice like, to know. Like but also, could it be? I like to think certain things are true because I always think every mm. myth you've got, there's one element of truth there somewhere. Well, there always is because there are people, the people who reported it exist and no doubt something did happen to them. Some of them are lying, of course, but some of them do experience something, whether that's a natural phenomenon that they, they can't explain or, or hallucinations or it could be a real unknown creature. So, yeah. But it's for, it's for us to review and decide. Look at the evidence and decide. So that's good. But, yeah, another Scottish myth covered there, which is good. Scotland. Anybody going to Scotland? Go to these mountains if you could find them. I'd like to, actually. I went last year to Scotland. I didn't go to the Cairngorms, but I do mean to go there. I do mean to go there next time I'm there. But yeah, so that's good stuff. So we're in this bit, and I'll have to talk to you next.